Bill C-18, otherwise known as the Online News Act, is impacting all Canadians, but perhaps none more so than racialized communities. Here to speak about that is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Canada's leading black Canadian online news magazine, buyblacks.com, Camille Dundas. Camille, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Pat. Thanks for having me. So um, let's talk a little bit about the Online News Act. How does it specifically impact racialized communities? Well, the thing is, most of... um, small uh, independent media that serves uh, racialized communities are run by um, racialized journalists like myself. Um, Similar to um, in small independent uh, media, we are, we are absolutely, you know, at the mercy um, of uh, big tech. Uh, Like I guess all of us are are, are now pretty much in the same boat. Kind of feels like it. <laughs> but the, the 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 difference is we don't have uh, racialized news organizations, for example, and mm-hmm. and also just any independent media doesn't have the type of power, specifically lobbying power, um, that that big media has to go and convince the government to even pass something like the like the online um, um, news act. Yeah. So we're we're less likely to be able to um, to rebound from something like this, to survive and weather something like this. But in terms of um, how information, how our community accesses information. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you know, our one of our freelance writers, Yannick, wrote a great article about this. I saw that; it was really well written. Yeah, called "Why Canada's Online News Act Hits Racialized Communities the Hardest," and uh, listeners can go ahead and, and search that up and read it before uh, Google takes away our links. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, he used, used the example of of during COVID, right, and also yeah. uh, the fact that. Uh, one study even showed that over 40% of newcomers... I was going to ask you specifically about that. Yeah, newcomers, yeah. the impact of newcomers to Canada on this Absolutely. legislation. Reporting that social media is their primary news source, right? And that's more than double what we see in Canadian-born citizens, right? And so he was talking about um, how during COVID, uh, one, one of the examples he was using that, you know, the pandemic created this real information gap. Um, just as an, as an example of how information reaches certain communities differently. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, obviously, we know now after um, creating race-based data during COVID, collecting race-based data, rather, um, that COVID uh, um, uh, impacted uh, Black communities um, disproportionately mm-hmm. uh, than others, right? And this, the same for the access to information. Um, a lot of information that the government put out was not uh, written in languages that several racialized communities um, uh, primarily spoke um, and what and did not um, uh, appear on places that they used the most, like um, digital messaging apps like mm. Telegram, like WhatsApp, and like social media. And so you had um, other um, uh, services stepping up to, to fill in that information gap, right? Right. An example of, you really have to adapt to your own audience and, and where they are accessing information rather than trying to like force this narrow, um, um, uh, these narrow parameters of how people can access information. Yeah. Unintended, presumably consequences yes. of some really bad legislation. Absolutely. If you're just, been, I'm, ju- I'm just, just going to shout out ahead. for the people who are just joining us. We're speaking with co-founder and editor-in-chief of Canada's leading Black Canadian online magazine, buyblacks.com, Camille Dundas. I'm sorry, Camille, Camille, I cut you off. You were about to say? 
No, I was just saying that, you know, I haven't spoken to one online um, media house, to one independent journalist who agrees with the Online News Act. And the way I see this, this is really a divide between legacy media and, and, and innovation media. Um, do I think that big tech is too powerful? Yes. Do I think that big tech should be taxed proportionately? Yes. But I also recognize the opportunity that social media platforms have given us yeah. to not only expand, but build new audiences. And instead of holding on desperately to old ways of operating, we have to, and I think, to be honest with you, legacy media, what they haven't accepted is that people want to pay for news and information that is relevant to their lives. Yes. That is how um, um, uh, consuming information has changed, right? Mm -hmm. And we can't continue to say, no, you should pay for all of these news stories, for all of these, the fire hose that that we're giving and not just information that is relevant to you. So while I think that, yes, big tech is powerful and should be taxed, um, I don't think they should be paying us for our, our news links. Furthermore, this act is, and for people who want to understand more context about, about this and where it came from, you can look at the example of Australia and how it went down there, because that's where it first happened. But our act, our, the Canadian government's um, uh, uh, suggestion for, or draft of this act really um, goes a step further than Australia's in terms of not only asking uh, uh, Meta and Google to pay news uh, organizations for carrying their links, but also to pay any time, like when you and I, Pat, just share a link on our Facebook page to a news um, story to pay for that as well. And as a business um, person, as a business person, that's ridiculous because that means there's no ceiling in terms of the potential cost that they're going to occur. Not that they can't afford it, but it just yeah, makes really bad business sense. I agree. I agree. So I, I mean, if you just look at who, a lot of people, when I talk about this, they're like, well, whose idea was this? And I'm like, well, look at the lobbying records, right? Mm. So the, the lobby group who, who, who is the main group um, um, advocating for this represents most of the legacy media in Canada. And legacy media in Canada, unfortunately, is becoming more and more, more and more um, uh, perhaps uh, dominant by, by, a, by one or two groups. Yep. And also is, and then when you follow the money, is also like 90% also owned by like U.S. Like hedge funds. Yes. So are, we, are we really talking about supporting um, news journalism, or are we support? Are we talking about making rich guys richer? And also, and also, rich guys richer, and squeezing out some of the some of the the newer media, the racialized media, the community specific media, all of that. And because you know, you don't have the budget to to advertise to seek out uh, viewers and readership that these other larger corporations do. And you know what's funny, Pat? The, the government's definition of who qualifies as a news media organization under this act, most of us actually, the independent uh, and ethnic media, don't qualify. Because huh. you, have to, you have to employ two or more journalists in your organization. Most ethnic media like ours, we employ a lot more than two people, but they're all freelancers. Right, right, right. So, so where, where does that leave you? Where does that leave you? We don't qualify under the government um, um, definition, but 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 Meta is definitely um, um, qualifying us as news producers, Clearly. and so we get we get blocked. So no win situation. And I can tell you, Pat, 
if Google follows through with this, our business is absolutely dead in the water, like so many other independent uh, news media. If you can't Google something about Black Canadians and, 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 and buy Black's uh, uh, link surface, mm. how are we supposed to expect that people will find our content? Exactly. And as right along those lines, we have about 90 seconds left. I love Buy Blacks, and I always, and I, as, as you may have heard me mention, I really enjoy listening to Maggie's show every, every, uh, every weekend, and I particularly love your segments. Could you take a moment and tell us what Buy Blacks is and, uh, and maybe a little bit of the journey about Buy Blacks? Yeah, quickly, it's a, a news platform that has been in existence for 10 years, mm-hmm. and just focus on highlighting news and positive stories from the Black Canadian community from coast to coast. We do profiles on Black businesses, Black artists, entrepreneurs. Then we also do opinion and analysis on issues that are impacting our community. And that is not just for Black Canadians, but as you said, Pat, you go to the website. Yeah. If you are interested in learning about just different viewpoints. Exactly. Um, from, from different parts of Canada, um, Buy Black is the place where you can do that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, tell me a little bit about Buy Blacks. What's what do you see in the future of Buy Blacks? Anything, anything on the on the horizon that we can look forward to? Yeah, we're just we are interested in going deeper in our journalism, in in doing more in depth uh, profiles and analysis to really get to the heart of issues. We also want to want to expand and, and innovate to be a video first platform in the future, mm-hmm. where we can um, be a hub for lots of other independent um, ethnic media to uh, bring their news content in a video first um, uh, um, strategy um, uh, to the Canadian market. Sounds great. Well, Camille, thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to listening to you in more segments right here on, on, uh, on 640 Toronto. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Pat. Take care.